Hi everyone, good morning. It is so good to be with you today. I'm Sarah, this is Micah. We're the lead pastors at the Vine Church. We are just glad to be here with you. You know, this is a strange Sunday uh, in that uh, every other year, what, five years running, we have taken this Sunday and our entire worship service uh, was what we call Friendsgiving. And our worship service was a meal shared together and uh, just some thoughts and some time reflecting on the many things we have to be thankful for. And this year we find ourselves in the middle of uh, unrest in our nation, uh, of a global pandemic, uh, but I want to I want to remind us today, and as we explore Scripture today, I hope we find that we still have many things to be thankful for this morning. So thanks for being here with us this morning. Mm-hmm. Have you ever really gotten into a book? Have you ever picked up a mm-hmm. book and just really, really enjoyed reading the book? So I love to read. I'm very picky about my books, but when I find a book that I really like, I am just like all in. <laughs> I've spent more than one night um, staying up way past my bedtime trying to finish the book or Saturday curled up under a blanket just reading for most of the day until I finished the book. And it's so satisfying when you find a book like this that you can just get, I know you you totally understand this, right? I do. Totally <laughs> get engrossed and it's so fun and it's so satisfying, but always you come to the end of the book. And um, especially if it's like the last book in a series, you come to the end and it's just like that moment when it hits you. Oh no, like I can't read any more. And sometimes I, I have to, you know, come back out and like reintroduce myself to my family. Like, oh yeah, hi, I still live here <laughs> because I've been so engrossed in this or that book. You know, what we focus on, what we choose to focus on and to see really influences our interpretation of our life and reality. And, and sometimes I have to remind myself, hey, by the way, this book isn't my life. It's not It's not my real life. <laughs> I have to come back around. Absolutely. You know, my favorite series I ever read, I got through the first two books of a three-part series, uh, and it was the best series I had ever read only to realize that 12 years later, the the third book had never been written. Um, so I know what it's like to have that moment where you are locked in and then something derails it. And that's kind of the story that we're going to today as we explore Saul's conversion. So we've been in the book of Acts and we are exploring... Um, uh, what, did, what were the marks of the early church? Mm-hmm. Jesus is risen from the dead. The church has begun. They are... Uh, passionately caring for each other. They are concerned about the people around them. They are uh, passionately sharing the good news of Jesus with the world around them. And we come to this point where the church is beginning to spread uh, outside of Jerusalem, through Israel, and even a little bit beyond. And naturally, what happens when major change comes about is persecution begins to exist as well. So if you go back and read uh, Acts 7 and 8 in that range, you'll read a story of a man named Stephen, who was uh, a leader and, and a very active person in the early church. That is until he was arrested for his faith, he was put on trial, and then he was executed. And one of the men that was um, central in the story of Stephen's execution was a man named Saul, who was orchestrating much of what had happened. So Saul was a Pharisee. 
And he describes himself looking back later on as a, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was well educated in uh, Jewish theology. He was also a Roman citizen. So he enjoyed rights and privileges that were given to Roman citizens. And later on, he's called Paul. So when we, when we speak of Saul, it's the same person as Paul. And in Galatians 4, 1.14, he describes himself when he was um, at this point that we're looking at in Acts chapter 9. He describes himself as this. He said, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So the Pharisees were known for legalistic righteousness. They prided themselves in being right and following the very letter of the law. And they enjoyed a position of honor and power in that society. And Saul was was in this circle and he was advancing in this circle and he was just very passionate and he was very bold and confident and zealous. And this position and this zeal was intoxicating for him to the point where he was blinded when it came to Jesus. He couldn't see or understand who Jesus was and when, what this early church movement was. Jesus as a suffering Messiah, Jesus as the loving Savior just didn't fit in his world view. And so Saul committed himself to persecuting the church. In Acts 9, verse 1, where we start today, Saul is described as breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he was so adamant about this persecution that he wasn't satisfied just to um, arrest the, the Christians in Jerusalem. He also sought special permission to go to Damascus, which was like six days walk away um, to persecute Christians there as well. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, did you know that horses have a nearly 360 degree field of view? Uh, speaking this, of which. <laughs> yeah, this, this really does relate. Because when people want to use a horse for mm -hmm. a task, quite often they will put on them what are called blinders. And this is an object that restricts their vision uh, that they can only see forward. In, in fact, Quite literally, the purpose of these blinders is that the horse not be able to see something that might spook it. And I think that's kind of the way that Saul is living his life in this moment. And many of his fellow Pharisees are living their lives. They are so locked into the track that they have been on. Their eyes are fixed on only one thing. He is zealous and passionate about going in this one way, but with blinders that have resulted in in his inability to see who Jesus is and what's happening amongst them in this moment. And so the story continues in verse three. And as Saul neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So here's Saul on his way to Damascus and he has this divine encounter. Suddenly there's this flash of light. There's a voice that speaks to him and immediately Saul falls to the ground and he, and he says, who are you, Lord? Because he knows that whoever it is that he's meeting right now, 
is Lord. And in this like mic drop of a moment, the voice says, it's Jesus. Like I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Can you imagine Saul's reaction the moment that statement seeks in is like, oh, Jesus, like, wow, <laughs> like I can imagine him just being stunned. And uh, the, Jesus's voice instructs him to go ahead and go to Damascus, and then he will be told what to do. And as uh, a stunned Saul picks himself up off the ground and opens his eyes, he realizes that he's blind, that he can't see, and his companions have to lead him so he doesn't stumble. So here's this man who thought he had everything figured out, thought he saw very, very clearly, and suddenly he has this divine encounter, and he experiences Jesus as Lord, and he experiences himself as blind. Mm -hmm. And so for the first time, his, his physical vision matches his spiritual vision, and he realizes, I am not seen clearly. Yeah, so his companions, they take him the rest of the way into Jerusalem, or into Damascus, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. And in Damascus, there's a man named Ananias. And Ananias was a follower of Jesus. And Jesus appears to him, and he says, I want you to, to go to this man, Saul. For three days, he's been blind. He's not been eating or drinking, but he's expecting you to show up. And Ananias responds, or maybe he argues with God, um, I know this man that you're speaking of. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority of the chief priests uh, to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Now, Ananias, like Saul, could have very easily found himself locked into the vision and the understanding that he had always known. He, he knows enough about Saul to know this is a dangerous man on a dangerous mission right now in our city. And yet what I love about Ananias is his ability to take the blinders off, to listen to the voice of God, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide him into a new place, a place in which he is the first to realize what a magnificent and powerful thing God is doing in this moment, and not only witness it, but he'll get to participate in it. As now he goes to, to Saul, mm -hmm. he lays his hands on him, he restores his sight, and a new journey has begun in Saul's life. So Saul's sight is restored, and for the first time he sees clearly who Jesus is. And Saul um, is still the same person in that he's bold and zealous. And so immediately he begins to preach. Um, but the, his, his sermon is very different <laughs> now. He preaches that Jesus is indeed the son of God. And so as he's preaching in the synagogues, the Jews listening to him are just really confused. And they're asking like, isn't this Saul, the guy who come here to persecute the Christians? Like what is going on in verse 22 in Acts 9? Um, we read, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He was, he was preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, Saul knew his audience well because he was one of them. Um, very, very recently before this, he was one of them. He had been one of them. He spoke their language. And so he was able to clearly articulate, um, that he, he was wrong, 
that he had encountered Jesus and that Jesus was the son of God and Jesus um, was the Messiah. And the Jews reacted as Saul had reacted previously to this. And the Jews tried to kill him. And so the Christians of Damascus helped him escape. Uh, one of those, they put him in a basket and lowered him out a window in uh, through the city wall. So uh, Saul is brought to Jerusalem, the central, the hub of both Israel and now of mm -hmm. the church that is forming out of Israel in this belief in Jesus as the Messiah who's risen from the dead. So Saul, his own people, the Pharisees, are trying to kill him. He arrives in Jerusalem and naturally wants to draw close to the disciples, the followers of Jesus. But he's met there with an incredible amount, and rightfully so, an incredible amount of distrust. Mm -hmm. They don't know if they can trust this man in this moment. Uh, Saul no longer has a people, right? Uh, he has Jesus, uh, but on all sides, there is mm -hmm. distrust or violence or anger. And what's what's incredible that the turn in the story uh, revolves around a man named um, Barnabas, and uh, he is Barnabas is the first one there in Jerusalem to know enough of Saul's story uh, to be moldable enough that that he's able to engage in a new way, kind of like Ananias had uh, back in Damascus. Barnabas is a man who introduces Saul to the followers of Jesus there, uh, to the disciples, and he's the man that speaks on Saul's behalf, saying, I believe God is doing something beautiful and special in this moment. Thank God for Barnabas's eyes to see, ears to hear, ability to engage in this major shift in the story of the church. Mm-hmm. So this story, as, as we look through it, reminds me of something that Jesus said to his disciples. It was in Matthew 13, verse 16. And Jesus said, Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples and saying, You're blessed when you hear and see what God is doing, when you can understand and perceive the spiritual things going on around you. And it's really pertinent to this story because as we reflect on how, how does this affect us, I wonder how many blinders I have that prevent me from seeing the full picture of what's going on or how many blinders we might have that prevents us from seeing what God is doing. And I think this really encourages us to pray that the Spirit would open our eyes, that we might be able to see the, the full picture of what God is doing in our lives, in our community, and around us, that we might have the ability to see where God is at work and to trust him enough to join him and to listen and to follow and, and, and just to hear where he is calling us. Yeah. And zoom out and look at this story. I mean, there's violence, there's distrust, mm -hmm. there's plots and all sorts of plans and uh, selfish, uh, self-serving mm -hmm. uh, purposes in the lives of people. And then you have these two guys, Ananias and Barnabas, two people moldable enough 
two people listening to the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Spirit in their lives, speaking to them about what God is doing in the midst of the turmoil, in the midst of all of the challenges, twists and turns, plots and violence taking place Mm -hmm. in the first century. They're able to hear from God. And they're able to participate in what he's doing. And right now, friends, in a season of unrest in our nation, in a global pandemic, may we be people that have ears to hear, that that listen intently to the voice of the Spirit to see where God is engaged and where we are being invited in in this moment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting in, in this story to also look at Jesus' vision, his vision here, when he looked at Saul, what did Jesus see? You know, um, he Saul was a man right now who is actively arresting and persecuting Christians. He was completely uh, bent against Jesus. And yet when Jesus saw Saul, he saw potential in him. Mm-hmm. He saw him for what he would become, for what he had called him into. He saw him as his chosen instrument to proclaim the name of Jesus throughout that region. And so Jesus invites Saul on a different journey. He invites Saul to see differently and to engage differently. And that is our invitation too. Jesus invites us to see and engage differently. Yeah, you know, the story of Saul's conversion here, it's all about vision. It's all about Mm -hmm. sight, right? There's a man named Saul who's blinded physically so that he can regain his sight spiritually. There's a story of the vision of Barnabas and Ananias who are able to see what God is doing in this moment and engage in it. And today, our invitation is that we be people of vision, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would have eyes to see what God is doing in in our community, in our nation, throughout the world. And then we would have the courage through the Holy Spirit to engage and participate in the things that he is doing. Now, I have to admit, this is not easy. Neither the gaining the sight nor the engaging in this moment. So we ask you, will you commit with us uh, to spend time in prayer, to sit, spend time in scripture, to spend time in conversation with believers in Jesus, exploring what is God doing in this moment and how are we invited to engage? You know, we're approaching a a really exciting time as a church when uh, we purchase a church and in the new year get to move into a new neighborhood and engage. This is a season in which we invite God to speak Jesus to speak, the Holy Spirit to guide us into the neighborhoods, the households, the places that he has for us to engage in. So we invite you to pray with us right now. Dear God, we just thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the way that you see us. And God, we just ask today, Spirit, we ask you to give us vision to see ourselves and our community and our world through your eyes, Lord, that we might see where you are working, that we would have the courage and the boldness to follow you when you call, Lord, to join you in bringing about healing and peace and hope in this world. God, We ask for vision, and we surrender our vision to you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. So each week we've been sharing with you a song, something that uh, we can go a little bit deeper with on these subjects. And uh, today is a pretty special one to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of you are familiar with this. This will be new to some of you. It's called Son of David by a band, uh, Ghost Ship. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was first introduced to this song by our worship leader, um, it just blew me away. Thank you, Chris, for that mm-hmm. moment. I still remember uh, sitting and listening and just being overwhelmed by it. Uh, Son of David is the name of the song, and it's actually from a different passage in Scripture where Jesus heals a blind man. Um, But the prayer of this song is a a cry to Jesus, give me eyes to see, allow me to see. It says, the blind won't gain their sight by opening their eyes, but instead it's a prayer to Jesus saying, will you give us vision? Will you give us sight? And in this time, that is our prayer together. We hope you enjoy this song in the week to come. Have a great Thanksgiving. We love you guys. Bye, friends.